This is Gail Cook. And this is Kara Amy Maxfield. And this, this is Permanent Filter. Hello. This is Kara Amy Maxfield. And this is Gail Cook. And you're joining us on this podcast for The Dish on the Dishes. So when Gail and I first met each other, we first became friends, that was... Uh, well, boy, seems like the probably the best thing I would say on my end of 2020 was our friendship. And quite frankly, not that I'm meeting a whole lot of people now, but uh, we got that friendship on and underway at the beginning of this year. And one of the things that connected us very strongly was our love of food. But, and I can hear you saying, well, Kara, Amy... Can't that be said for pretty much everyone who is human <laughs> that they do enjoy the act of eating, the act of actually nourishing your bodies, gaining energy, and just the deliciousness that food can and often does contain. But it's not just the food that we enjoy. We also enjoy the cooking yes. as well as creating dishes, following recipes. We really like the opportunity in food to find creativity and to realize scientific principles. So sure, that's the reason. I like <laughs> that's re- <laughs> maybe not maybe not the same. You know, these things in the in the same degree to both of us, but mm-hmm. these elements come into it. But one of the things that I take great pride collectively for the both of us is in our frugality with this as well, too, because I maintain that in anything creative that you do, um, whether that's uh, style, personal style, clothing wise or interior decorating or anything with that kind of aesthetic, that if you have unlimited resources, it's not really that much of a triumph Mm -hmm. so if you know where you would often sort of following that you know following along would say people with personal um dread clothing style where it's they have uh lots of money they have professional stylists they have access to designers they have all these resources and you think well really what are you bringing to it it's like let's see you do that on a $20 a month budget so it is too with the dishes that we like to concoct and the flip side to or the the companion part of frugality is also a no waste aspect which is something that Gail and I are very very much proponents of yeah and let me just say Kara Amy is much better at it than I (laughs) well I I I try. I try. I have to say better or compulsive because part of my official OCD has to do with uh, not just a disdain for waste, but an actual just sort of mental pain when it comes to any waste. And I've always maintained throughout my life, even as in a small child, I used to annoy my parents by saying, I love uh, luxury, but I hate waste. So if you're going to get pleasure uh, out of things that may be disproportionately expensive to other people, really enjoy them. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of if you're going to buy, say, an expensive cheese or, you know, or, you know, particular liquor Uh 
that's expensive well or expensive just condiments uh-huh. uh some artisan jams and such then don't let them don't let them go to waste like eat them up enjoy them share mm-hmm. them or not or keep them to yourself but don't just oh that got pushed to the back of the fridge or oops that needed to be refrigerated or that's long past its sell date but mm-hmm. yeah that that whole expiry thing so yeah oh I mean I too love luxury <laughs> and <laughs> I love interesting food but I find that actually the uh the thing about get stuff getting pushed to the like back of the fridge is a total problem for me and which one which I have not yet mastered get over or got over yet so I'm I'm trying to let that not happen but it's difficult well it's all a learning curve isn't it Mm -hmm. Gail it's a matter of we strive to be better and that's why we're not perfect even I have moments I know, hard to believe, where I have uh, let actually sort of good good produce and uh, quality baked goods um, just, you know, go. Say it isn't so caring. I I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. But (laughs) alas, even even the best of, even when we strive hard, and this from a woman, dear listeners, who is feeling guilty if she doesn't incorporate her banana peels into a banana peel cake that I got from a recipe from Lindsay Jean Hard is the woman's name. She's a wonderful cook. And I have her cookbook on cooking with scraps. Nice. And Gail actually has the same. Yeah, yeah, I do have the same. I I think that you're more familiar with it than I am. So it's... uh, but I highly recommend I highly recommend her book because but it has made me feel very guilty about even when I'm you know I eat a lot of eggs and it'll be oh I can't possibly be throwing away these eggshells but anyway I'll get into that. Tara Amy later. is pretty damn amazing. <laughs> I am, pretty, I'm almost ashamed to sit here and listen to it. <laughs> oh, this has come from much mental flagellation, let me tell you. <laughs> it's only because I know the turmoil that I would go, go through when I do have to sort of load some things up. And it's like, oh, how did that get pushed to the back of the fridge? Or it's like, oh, I forgot about that kale and, you know, so all of these things. But we do strive to be as frugal as possible yes. and uh, while still maintaining some, a little bit of sinfulness on our respective parts. But I think I've got the sinfulness actually <laughs> absolutely uh, you've got that down. down. You've got that down, but I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. At least you're conscious of that. There's many people that I know who shan't be named, but who, including people in my own family, and having been fortunate to grow up in a family in which food was not an issue, although mm-hmm. as an adult, there have been a number yeah. of times between jobs as a student, et cetera, when food scarcity was definitely an issue. Yeah. So I think that's born, and I know Gail for yourself as well too, that there, that kind of experiences, whether as a child or as an adult, mm-hmm. do lend... Uh, do lend to not wanting to waste food i mean the thing is is that if you put a cost on the food that you throw away Mm -hmm. as as i do when i do an audit at the end of the month 
All oh right, my god, you do an audit? Oh my god! I do it for official audit as Good I'm job. cleaning out the fridge, or actually when I throw and I when I put out my groceries or put out my groceries. <laughs> yes, that would be about right. Freudian slip. When I put out my garbage, which uh-huh. you know, actually, uh, a number of people, if you're throwing away, you know, if you're wasting food, you basically are putting out your groceries. But I will add up the cost of what I paid for those, how much of it I've wasted. Oh, wow. So if, and I'm not, I'm not saying this has happened. I'm not saying it hasn't Saint happened. St. Kara Amy here. If I was, if I, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, again, the punishing nature of my mind is such that I couldn't live with myself. So, Aww. but I'm trying to get better each week. But if I were to throw out, say, half a container of yogurt that's spoiled, well, that's the cost. That's literally like throwing money in the garbage. Yeah. And I also just to me, wasting food is very different than say buying, I don't know, some cosmetic that I didn't end up liking or using yeah. or buying like an article of clothing that I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Because yeah. there is this sense of that could be used to nourish because there's this, whereas you know, it's, it's one thing to say, I've purchased some item and now it's off to the goodwill, or maybe if a friend can use it or a friend of a friend, Mm -hmm. but there's nobody who's going to take kale that has gone rotten. So (laughs) there's no use for, there's no use for foods as we, we will talk about in one of our two parts. This is a Mm -hmm. two part show, um, is that as long as a food has not actually gone bad, meaning that there's mold, it's smelling funny, the consistency has gone off, or it's the can looks weird, or the can, which is an indicator of poison within, that there may be some sort of toxins or botulism, okay. that there are foods that you can bring back from the dead. You just, it has to be the recently departed and not foods that have been <laughs> like, for, example? Bad for many years so well for example in inter- uh, breads and bread products um italian cuisine which is one of my favorite cuisines to cook is one at which the mantra is there is no food waste mm-hmm. you deserve the best quality ingredients but all ingredients are going to be incorporated in some way so they are a culture by virtue of having many, you know, of many Italians having lived with very, you know, mm-hmm. sort of scarce mm-hmm. means. No, those, let me tell you, those people know what to do with uh, Parmesan rinds or no, and they know mm-hmm. what to do with breads. So you have a loaf of bread that again, is not moldy, but it has just gone hard and you can barely cut that bread Uh what you do is you wrap it up in a moistened tea towel you put it in the microwave for 20-25 seconds depending on your microwave it moistens it enough that you can cut into it you then you take that still very useful and potentially tasty loaf you divide that up and you can make panzanella which is a bread pudding Uh Um, so you would add tomatoes and other vegetables and a dressing and then it gives body to the salad. You can make either a savory or a sweet bread pudding with that mm-hmm. as well. And then you mix different ingredients depending on whether you want to go savory or sweet. 
you can make delicious croutons and bread crumbs, which croutons. I do a lot of that. Carrie Amy does, and, and she makes the best croutons ever. And the thing is, is that I believe that you've tried various variety of my croutons, correct? Yeah. Right. So sometimes I'll just do a simple. Um, I lay them out on the tray. So when I divided up my, uh, or I cut them, I cut the the loaves into the whatever size croutons I, I want, I'll either kind of lightly spray them with olive oil or avocado oil, and I might just give them a little bit of a seasoning, maybe some Italian seasoning, right. maybe salt and pepper, depending on what I want to use them for. Sometimes exactly. I get crazy and I go, uh, or I get more fancy and I put some zatar on them. Sometimes I'll use a spicy chili oil. Right. Um, depends. Like, yeah. obviously, the more, uh, the more basic, the more they're never bland but the more uh the more basic they are the more multi-purpose they are exactly you can use them in a bread pudding or you can use them in a meatloaf you know what i mean absolutely sprinkle them into, like sometimes when i take them from croutons and you can always take the croutons and make them into breadcrumbs mm -hmm. i will sprinkle them on top of pasta just to give a textural crunch like in the sardine the, the lemon sardine lemon garlic sardine linguine that I've made that I made it's for you amazing. last week that you requested as far as as by request mm -hmm. so they add a nice sort of um textural uh crunch as well too also in soups as well too mm -hmm. so these are such versatile things once they're dried then there's no concern about um, them going them going off yeah so a loaf of bread and that's as true for the breads most of the breads that I do that do end up being repurposed, they will be um, hard. There's no mold on them, but other breads who would be inclined that have more moisture in them would be inclined towards um, uh, becoming moldy. But I grab them quickly and they're quickly transformed. Right into uh into useful members of the of my kitchen staff shall we say so there are things that you can do with certain food products that that otherwise would be just bound for the landfill mm -hmm. you know yeah and and that's money down the drain and that's more garbage in the landfill mm -hmm. so that's yeah. more you know sort of uh environmental degradation but not not environmental <laughs> degradation that's such a tasty mouthful mm. but i do want to get into we have so with our pod our two-pot podcast the dish on the dishes i we're both going to be talking about myself and then gail next week about sort of some little secret tips and favorite ingredients that we have mm -hmm. that make for a kitchen that lends itself to no waste because you're able to turn commonplace and maybe just very ordinary other sort of foodstuffs into delectable dishes mm, so food. the first thing that i'm going to be talking about or talking about some ingredients that i've discovered in the last i would say probably in the last year uh-huh uh or year last six months that really are star players and often they're they're thankless in that people don't know that they're in a dish but they really take it to another level 
So, and the first of these, and is my most recent discovery, which is miso. So, miso, which is the, you know, some of you may have had like miso soup in a Japanese restaurant. So, it comes as a paste and you can get a light miso, which is what I have on hand. So, like a white or yellow miso, that's the mildest miso. And uh, then you can get a... Um, a sort of a darker and a miso kind of a little bit darker than that that's a medium miso and then a red miso which is very intense and the most versatile and the one that I most recommend that you get especially if you're a newcomer to it is to get the the white light miso was that what you used this evening that was what I used this evening when I made uh casso e pepe so it's uh, an Italian pasta, which is a very simple one, and the name, uh, cheese and pepper. But I did an Asian fusion, so I put a quarter cup of miso into the actual sauce. And I don't think you were saying that you couldn't actually discern. Like, if you didn't know if I well, didn't I, tell you there would be miso in it. I knew there was something in it, but it, it was wasn't like... Special. I mean, I knew, I knew it was miso, but... Mm-hmm. I don't, all I would have thought it was, was some umami. Mm-hmm. I didn't, not, I couldn't specify miso, but that could be my own inexperienced palate. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. That, but I, no, I think you're, I don't sell yourself short. I think that's something that um, you'd be hard pressed to necessarily identify the taste. It's just something that gives it a richness. But um, it's something that lasts, it is a fermented product. It's also delicious. Uh, the other day I just experimented like uh, I'm hungry, but I didn't, I was too lazy to make something and I wanted something filling and that had that umami. So I did a tablespoon in boiling water and it had some nice miso soup. So it lasts for when it's refrigerated, it lasts for a good year. And it's, I think for about a, a kilogram of it. I paid $6. Oh, wow. So it's very reasonable. It's long lasting. So these are other factors. There's no point getting a deal on something if it's going to spoil. Exactly. Whether it's an ingredient or, you know, a more, a single ingredient, a more complicated food stuff, if you're not going to use it up by the time it expires, right? So that's that's false economy right there. But the second discovery was uh where have you been all my life nutritional yeast flakes so this is something that uh, a lot of vegans have known about this is their delicious little secret so nutritional yeast flakes is deactivated yeast which sounds absolutely delicious and the only troubling part of nutritional yeast (laughs) is that they don't have some sort of a um promo some sort of like PR person to develop a new name for it because it actually sounds very off-putting, if not it does, downright But disgusting. it's good stuff, man. It is, you know, like you so you've had several dishes that I've made where I've incorporated that into the nutritional yeast. And that lovely mm. popcorn topper. Oh, oh my god, yes. I love that stuff now. That's that's right. The uh I do a mix of nutritional yeast with different spices yeah. and then you sprinkle that on top of popcorn that you've got some like coconut oil or some butter or, or some sort of like shall we say a shortening of Delicious. sorts and when you add and the thing is is that 
the quality of the nutritional yeast is that it has this cheesiness to it. Yes, it does. So it's like a cheesy popcorn, isn't it? Like a spicy, spicy, cheesy popcorn. So that's what also lends this magical ingredient. Um, It is a component along with cashews. Uh, You could use another nut, but cashews is, Gail, you have quite a severe allergy. So I would never knowingly uh, feed you any of these dishes with cashews, uh, with cashews no, I, in. I, I'll pass thank pass you. on that I'm really yeah, kind of, just, just yeah basically saying no it's not worth death hard no right? Carrie hard no hard, hard no it's not worth <laughs> death or extreme pain and suffering no but um for those who aren't allergic uh the combination of nutritional yeast and uh soaked cashews makes a marvelous cheese sauce for pasta mm-hmm. or to pour onto vegetables it's amazing if you think well how is it that nutritional yeast and cashews or other, you can also use almonds actually, uh, or macadamia nuts. How is it that it actually forms a cheese sauce? And I'm just, that's one of the mysteries of the kitchen. Really. You know what? I don't even want to know. No, I just, just want it to remain a mystery. Just remains yeah. sort of shimmering in the distance. Sometimes it's not, what did Winston Churchill say? It's about, you know, one wants to see the sausage being made, but maybe that's literally about sausage and not. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. I mean, why do you yeah. have to know? Hmm. Why take away the magic? Exactly. Just know that there's something delectable that you yeah. want to come back for and that exactly. you ask for yes. the recipes by name. And that's actually great too if you're somebody who's a very, shall we say, uh, more proprietary and you have guests over and you just you serve them this deliciousness and they say, oh, can I have the recipe? And you're like, hell's to the no. You're not getting the recipe for this. You figure it out yourself or you just need to keep coming back for more. So that's how you get your friends to keep coming as long as it's not like in the midst of the pandemic, that is. So the other, another item on my list is also, um, uh, like, like the niece aforementioned miso is uh, um, something that it's hard to detect if you're not looking for it. It just adds a layer of deliciousness. And like the miso, it's got the umami, so the meaty taste, mm. which is identified as one of the one of the flavors that human beings can detect. Mm-hmm. And it's my personal favorite. I will go a long way for umami. And the the uh, the surprise ingredient is anchovy paste. So mm-hmm. I a simple dish that I like to make often is where you take uh, spinach or kale, frozen is best. And you saute it with in a little bit of garlic oil, mm-hmm. and then you will add, um, or and you will add some chopped up garlic, some minced garlic, mm-hmm. a few, a sprinkle of chili flakes, and then just well, a, you know, Sounds a taste delicious. or a dollop of anchovy paste, and it really takes it to another level. And let me tell you, it's you could do you could do much worse than to be eating. Um, spinach and kale mm-hmm. yeah. every day and I think that I could do this I could probably have that as a side dish get in my greens that uh-huh. way and it's so flavorful and oh, it's nice. just, so it's anchovy paste uh, chili a few chili flakes and, and garlic where would you be without garlic so another on my list is paprika but specifically smoked paprika mm-hmm. so Paprika, as I understand, actually is 
regular paprika is flavorless. So if you're not cooking with it, if you're adding it when the dish is being cooked, Mm -hmm. All you're doing is really adding color. And sometimes that's enough just to get mm -hmm. that nice contrast. We're eating with our eyes after all. Yeah. But the when you're cooking with cooking or making a spice blend with smoked paprika, it is, that is crazy good. Yeah. And one of my favorite dishes is a smothered cabbage dish. So you caramelize onions, um, a little bit of garlic. And then you put in a chopped up like small head of cabbage or half head of cabbage. And then you add a mix of uh, garlic, uh, ground garlic, salt, pepper, and the smoked paprika. Now, oh, wow. you could do without pretty much everything except, well, the cabbage wouldn't, wouldn't be smothered cabbage then. Yes. The onions and the smoked paprika because it mm -hmm. gives a beautiful redness to it mm -hmm. but it gives a beautiful smokiness okay. to yeah. it so again that comes back to smoke is one of the ways that you get mommy yeah so this is this is i realized that this is pretty much all it's yeah. a list of secret ingredients that i love <laughs> that is basically all umami all the time yeah. but i did say i was an umami lover um and the other secret, it's not so much an ingredient, you can buy it as a unified condiment, right. but in the last few months, I've been making this on my own, and it is uh, red curry paste. Oh, yeah. So it's one of those wonderful Asian condiments mm -hmm. that most people aren't don't make or wouldn't think of making because there's so many different component parts to it right and sometimes there's certain things like a gal and gal which is kind of a ginger is an asian form of ginger or lemongrass mm -hmm. that aren't always toss aren't always easy to get right and aren't always if you can get them particularly good quality right but the thing is i did score some lemongrass a uh, friend got me some frozen lemongrass right even more, i still have some in the freezer so i can be replenishing that red curry paste and then I had all of the other ingredients. Mm -hmm. So now I'm instead of buying a, a jar, like a Thai, Thai Kitchen is the brand that I was using. Right. And they do a good one. But I mean, it's like 112, just slightly under a half a cup for $5, $6 of this paste. Mm -hmm. I now make this paste for two cups at a time for about $1.50. And see... In addition and to... and I, I will say that also one of the recipes where oh, I was looking online for some recipes featuring the red curry paste, they link you to Amazon and it's $13 for a half a cup. So, But in addition price to price, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing better than homemade. Mm -hmm. that, that is very true. Thing. Like, you that know what's true. going in it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and you know how it tastes beforehand because you're trying it all the time getting the flavor right absolutely and you can i mean there's mm -hmm. all i mean there's not a manufactured to per se taste of food that's packaged but mm. I, when you make it yourself you know it's with love because you're putting it in your own food that's very so, true that's very true know. and the nice thing is it too is like as you speak about with where you know what's going into it you can also customize these things as well too. exactly so if you have because uh with the red curry paste it does incorporate uh fish sauce right so if you had a friend who was vegetarian well vegan or vegetarian 
and didn't want any animal products in there, then you could modify that. You could either leave it out. Um, I was going to say Worcestershire sauce, but that includes anchovy paste. So you kind of be back where you started less yes. fish, but still you would be incorporating fish. But you know what? There's so much going on there. There's about mm -hmm. 10 different ingredients within the paste. Right. So you could leave it out without just have a slightly different flavor profile. Right. But yeah. a, a friend of mine who has had uh, tasted dishes that I had made with the sort of pre-made paste yeah. and with my own set there was much more complexity right to it yeah although she did have some complaints about a substitution at one point like one of the ingredients is is a chili chili powder and i used just a taco seasoning and which was a little bit that's interesting uh, a little Choice. bit of a compromise <laughs> well it was see this was all part of my frugality right i was right. completely or thought i was out because of disorganization i wasn't but um, I've since rectified the problem. I thought I was out of chili powder, uh -huh. but I did have a honking big, like a thousand, you know, gram tub of the taco seasoning. But uh -huh. the taco seasoning does, it's very commercial. It's got sugar. There's a lot of, it's a commercial. I'm really thinking of making my own taco mix just because it's just easy cuisine. enough to do. Easy I mean, yeah, to it's do just with a, any of these blends. Exactly. All There's of, stuff online you can look at. There, there absolutely is. And it just amazes me when you see places, you know, commercially will charge for, um, you know, pumpkin pie spice or pie spice. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Spice. And it's just like, if you have these spices on hand, like I'm not saying go out and buy 10, like gingerbread spice, which involves quite a lot, including cardamom and cloves. They go out and buy those. But if you have them on hand, like we do anyway, what and, the, and the thing is, like, scoopful and put it together. You, you know? pay a small fortune for yeah. a teeny tiny thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've got all the spices, or at least most of them, yeah, in my yeah. pantry already. Yeah, and I can make a ton for less. It's like a ton. It's the the cost is a fraction. Exactly. So for something that's customized, for something that is fresher, for something more delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, for something that you can make in the quantity, you can make in a larger quantity and what I would recommend that. So, and, and for very little effort, for the effort of opening up a bunch of jars or packages and stirring it and putting it in a container, you're getting a far better product. And so I have that the same, would be a yeah. good tip for... And I have the same issue with enchilada sauce of all oh, things, okay. right? Because okay. you go into the grocery store, you look for enchilada sauce. Mm. It is $5 for a small pouch of this stuff. Mm. Meanwhile, mm. you go online, you I found recipes, and you make like two, three cups of this stuff for a fraction of the, the cost. Mm. Like, what's what's in an enchilada sauce? Like what's tomatoes and How does it spices. differ from a... How does it differ from like a tomato sauce or like a salsa? It's just basically the, uh, well, salsa is salsa. Oh, okay. Enchilada sauce is smooth. Okay. Goes on enchiladas or whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to put it's it on. But, um, but it's just like, what a matter here? of spice. Okay. Spice, it's just a, yeah. like. But, but there's nothing particular. So what you're saying is there's nothing that's going into the enchilada sauce commercially. That is something like the gal and gal that you may not be able to access to put in red curry no, there's, paste like there's, there's literally nothing... nothing in there that you can't 
have either in your have in your pantry mm. or go out and get some fresh tomatoes. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. not that hard. And yet, like a teeny tiny pouch mm. that is basically good for one go yeah. when you can have like a jar of it it's, uh, it's for less yeah yeah so that's yeah that's my issue so but <laughs> you know with gail that's a really good that's a good tip and a good point with that like there's so many things where um the effort to make it and the cost to buy the ingredients especially if those ingredients are amortized over you're going to be making it again and again so that's you know, so that's something where it just you're making a better product and you're saving lots of money. Yeah. So it just you know for maybe the initial well maybe not even an investment but for spices that you already have on hand. Chances are, if you're making dishes involving a spice that's a mixture of those, you're probably going to have those spices on hand because you enjoy them. And yeah, and also, I mean, you're not getting whatever mm -hmm. preservative and and like chemicals that they put in it mm -hmm. right that's like, very that's very true that's so, very true there's a number of <laughs> there's there's a number of gourmet spice companies where when you look at the they're very underwhelming and they're expensive hence the gourmet they're expensive but what you're actually getting when you look at their ingredient list is primarily salt mm -hmm sugar mm -hmm. some sort of like you know chemicals right right and you're thinking okay well why am i paying the prices that i'm paying for these so it's just yeah you know and then you can and, and the best thing about being frugal and making your own mm -hmm. is that you can um limit the sugar mm. yes do you know yes, what i mean exactly. because i don't know yeah. how much well i mean they say on the on the back how much sugar content but mm -hmm. i mean i'm not if i have a recipe that's asked for a cup mm -hmm. i can adjust that mm -hmm. and not only am i saving the, the cost of like sugar yeah but i'm saving myself like possible diabetes every time well I that's eat it. it well i have the hood i i i always maintain save the sugar for things that you really enjoy the sugar from mm -hmm. uh, save the sugar for something where you're going that has no nutritional value whatsoever and that was absolutely delicious and have it as a treat yeah but who wants necessarily yeah like sugar sugar in their spice mix and the thing is is there's a lot of um a lot of times they won't actually give uh an actual amount or per even percentage of what the sugar contents is but you can tell in the listing of ingredients the most the 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 ingredient that's predominant will mm -hmm. come first so the one that there is the most uh, uh, what the particular product contains the most of will be listed first so when you see things that are say for example a lime a lime peel and ginger whatever uh -huh. i'm just making this yeah, up yeah, as yeah. i go right and then it's like first ingredient is salt second ingredient is sugar the third ingredient is cornstarch the fourth but ingredient is there is, any actual uh, another form you know some other sneakier form of sugar uh mm -hmm. you you look at that and you think well maybe they should have just called it sugar and cornstarch well you know, you know uh, have you ever tasted homemade ketchup I have actually, it's a but bit yeah. More savory. yeah, oh yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. get a, a a chipotle ketchup, I believe. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but you get a brand name, mm -hmm. 
and it's oh, sweet yeah. because most of it's yeah. sugar and i just ugh. every yeah. time i have it it's just like mm, how much how much candy am i basically eating essentially it's essentially. like tomato candy yeah. so with um and and actually that raises another um and that raises another issue where there's so many things where we've owned well most of us <laughs> Uh, have only ever tasted the commercial version mm-hmm. when you do meet a big soul who will make their own from scratch mm-hmm. you realize like what a ripoff this is you know in terms of how much more delicious it's like you know certain things that I'm like oh yeah I'm not interested in that and then I have a homemade version of it right so even something like at a party uh at a Christmas party a couple of years ago a friend of mine had, you know, the nuts and bolts mix, oh, yes. like the snack mix. Love. It do, well, it never did anything for me. No. I wouldn't. I I tried it because it was potluck. We all were bringing things, and you know, that's that's the kind of giving. That's the kind of giving gal that I am. You know, <laughs> so a friend made this, and I tried it, and I thought, oh, this is this is delicious. And she says, yeah, it's homemade. Yeah. And it's uh, and it was. Like it was not even in the same. It was shouldn't have even have been in the same category. Right. It's just absolutely. You like, like the nuts and bolts. I do. You would like have it. loved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would have loved Marin's uh, homemade mix. Yeah. So the thing is, is um, there are like sometimes there are things where it's not it's not worth it. It's not worth the labor, the time spent That's to true. make it from scratch. And there's certain things, and I'm thinking a lot of like a number of Costco products where friends, equally frugal friends, equally frugal friends will say that I couldn't make it. I couldn't make this lasagna. I couldn't make this cake um, from scratch mm-hmm. for what I'm paying. So those kind of things, I think, well, then kind of spend your dollars in that way. But certain things where all you have to do is shake a few spices mix a few things, put it in some container and put it in the fridge and you and you've got it there for, you know, weeks. Occasion- Why wouldn't you? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I do struggle with uh, the concept of frugality and exhaustion from work. Right? <laughs> well, it's always like, a balance, right? You know, cause... I can say this as somebody who's at home and somebody who has sort of the time and a large kitchen, a comfortable kitchen to work in, mm-hmm. sort of a lot of storage, not an inordinate amount of food, like a freezer and a fridge and an extra fridge, mm-hmm. but pantry space. But more importantly, I have the time yes. to be so I can go do a little bit of work on the computer, make, you know, stock, mm-hmm. come back, you know, make, um, you know, I'm making uh, hummus and make a homemade uh, tahini paste right. for that. So coming home at night and cooking for somebody else as well too, you know, that's going to take some of the verve. And, and you know, it's away. like I work, mm-hmm. I'm working mm-hmm. and I do dinners half the week mm-hmm. and then Alda's dinners the other half, which mm-hmm. I am so very, very blessed. Well, that's a nice arrangement for the two of you. But yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of like the ducka thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I was telling you oh, today. Yes. I was going to bring ducka. I was looking forward to that, Gail. So I, uh, thanks so much. Yeah. Damn it. The first uh, time, but maybe not the last time. 
But Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, buckle up, baby, because there's more to go. Uh, but uh, but basically, yeah. mm-hmm. by the time I roasted the hazelnuts, mm-hmm. explain a little my... bit about well, how would you describe Dhaka to somebody who hasn't experienced it before? It's um, it's like hazelnuts and spices, and it's a topping. Oh, okay. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the hazelnuts roasted. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. the best intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you did. I hand peeled off the um. The, the skins on the hazelnuts. The hazelnuts it's like two cups of hazelnuts. Oh, I, I, I can so uh, empathize with you on that. Yeah. And then, task. Yeah. and by the time I got that yeah. done, mm-hmm. it's like, well, now I'm tired yeah. because I've been working. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I'm pretty sure that Kara Amy wouldn't mind if I used her food processor. And I wouldn't. And she wouldn't have mind. But you know the DACA has come along. Look, you. man, I'm sorry. So like, I had forgotten it at work because I packed it all up this just, morning and then put it in the work um fridge and then I forgot it on the way home. So as long as it won't go it won't go to waste, right? I mean No, it won't. I'm gonna grab it here. tomorrow because I now have to work tomorrow. Oh, okay. But uh the point is, is that I had the best intentions mm-hmm. yeah. last night. Yeah. And then as time went on, I was tired from work. Sure. So sure. it's the struggle, right? You want to be frugal, but you know, you come home from work yeah. exhausted. Yeah. And then it's like, you know what? Hmm. Don't really want to make anything. That's true. Don't want to do. That's so true. you know what? When I was singles, that would be a popcorn yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And because... I mean, well, sure. Sure. And now imagine people. Imagine parents with kids. Oh my god! I can't even. With kids, where the kids are clamoring, you're exhausted. So there's no judgment from from me in about people taking their kids to you know just going no. and just getting some fast food. Just but what I'm it. saying and what the 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 tips that we're providing and the dishes that we're sharing uh, with the listeners is our way of saying, you know what, if you can do it like this, you can eat better, you can save yourself a lot of money, and you can customize things. I was just trying to point out Hmm. that, you know what, stuff Hmm. happens in life. And, you know, like, honestly, like, you know, the road to Hades is paid with that, it's paved with the best intentions, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's not a condemnation of people who are too just too darn tired. Yeah, no, to, no, definitely, no. You know, no, because no, so, I get it. That's not, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I and I also I've been in that situation. I know myself. You, you know, know, where sometimes it's like as much as I I really like to cook from scratch as much as possible. I I also what I okay what I like about this as well too is that. When you're making up, when you, you can cook from scratch, hopefully there will be like one day in the week, mm-hmm. maybe a few hours in that day where you can make up some of the components of a dish that add layers mm-hmm. and then bring them out when you're actually cooking. So you can add them to a pasta. You can add that to mm-hmm. some chicken and you can make a customized gourmet dish having already made these yeah. kind of um, 
component pieces that last. So your DACA is going to last in the fridge. It's not like, oh, now, like say yeah. you weren't going into work tomorrow, but it would be like, oh, it's now garbage by Monday. Yeah, no, that's you know? not the case. So that's, yeah, that's the beauty of that. So, so a lot of these things, a lot of the things that I make, they're made to stay in the fridge and still be both good quality and safe to eat for a for a lengthy time. And realistically, the only reason I had that stuff in the fridge in the first place is because I had something perishable to bring today. Oh, so there. And then okay. it's yeah. Yeah. Now it's like oh, so the ducket doesn't actually need to be refrigerated. No, it's hazelnuts and spices. Oh, okay. Okay. But I had yeah. something perishable that I was going to bring, but although no. with nuts, I would recommend that both unless nuts are shelled, I keep them in the fridge because nuts can grow rancid, and particularly if nuts are chopped up. Oh, and yeah. sort of more well yeah sort of, i know yeah. but i mean it takes yeah. just it's not like it's like you. yeah it's not yeah. like tomorrow no no of course not of course not and i'm not saying that yeah. sort of nuts and we're talking nuts at room temperature where you you want to have them as a long-term solution right yeah. so you buy like you know like a large costco size bag of nuts um but the so the thing is and speaking of sort of perishable things so another tip in terms of my uh, charming trio of food foodstuffs that I will buy in their most basic form um, in that or purest form, if you will, for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. So for one of them, okay, so these are yogurt, shrimp, and aged cheese. Mm. So... Now, when I say like sort of purest form, um, I mean that with yogurt, I buy it plain. Right. And I buy it with few ingredients to it. So generally yeah. it's like cream, skim milk, sometimes skim milk powder, and then active bacterial cultures. So right. those good probiotics. But I don't buy it with any sort of flavoring and God, certainly, God forbid, fruit in the yogurt. Now, the reason that I do this is that if I wanted the fruit yogurt experience, mm -hmm. I can have a much healthier one by having plain yogurt and adding my own frozen or fresh fruit to it. And then it. it tastes like real fruit. And it tastes whatever. so much more delicious. It doesn't taste like a sugary concoction because yeah, yeah. yogurts are notorious for having tons, tons of sugar yes. in them. They're basically like, that. people are like, oh, yogurt instead of ice cream, really what you're having has the same amount of sugar. Yeah, know? unless you got a Greek yogurt plain, you're not like, you know. Because you can even use Greek yogurt for sour cream. You absolutely, I and I do. And, and so do here's I. also a way. So I still need the non-Greek yogurt. I buy okay. I buy a yogurt that's, uh, as I said, very few ingredients, but one that is not a Greek. It's a Balkan yogurt. It's not a Greek. It's not thickened yogurt that mm -hmm. you speak of. Yep, yeah. I turn it into the Greek yogurt. Cool. By draining it so i put um put the yogurt i put a coffee filter you could also use like just sort of a strainer like like a fine mesh strainer uh -huh. and then i put that over a bowl and then i put it in the fridge for 24 hours and i let the whey drain out of it right but so then what i have is a greek yogurt oh, i also see i did not know that and it it is one of the mainstays of my kitchen oh wow yeah. so i then have all of this wonderful sort of Greek yogurt that I can go um, sweet or savory with. Mm -hmm. I've mixed jams, homemade, sometimes oh, okay. artisan jams into it. 
for kind of a sweet experience. And I also have made uh, tzatziki out of it where cucumber and garlic for a dip or also just taken it, you know, with a little bit of uh, like chili oil or chili paste and made another sweet and made another savory concoction from it. But here's the beauty of this too, is that way I was reading an article um, about how the way there's such a demand for Greek yogurt that way W-H-E-Y, mm -hmm. which is the byproduct, right, is actually causing environmental problems. It's actually going into water supply systems oh, weird. and creating an imbalance. Right. But there's no need to buy Greek yogurt when you can buy regular yogurt, mm -hmm. drain it, and then do not throw away the whey, dear listeners. You use that whey in place of buttermilk. Oh, wow. I, see, it she's makes, a genius. Well, I just, I, I'm learning from those who've come before and those who are, are generously sharing their information online and in, in books and, mm -hmm. and other sources. And so this way, so you drain this way from the yogurt. Mm -hmm. So you get your yogurt, you can customize it. You're not buying Greek yogurt, then regular yogurt, mm -hmm. then sour cream. I also make cream cheese yeah. from this oh uh, yogurt as well. Once I turn it into Greek yogurt, then I wrap it in cheesecloth for a week. I'll wring out the cheesecloth every few days. After a week, you have a sliceable, delicious, delicious with very few ingredients, all kind of natural. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so delicious. Cream cheese that you then can do what is sweet or savory with that. But the way uses buttermilk in baked goods, I've made drop biscuits and I have replaced butter, made replace the buttermilk or the, you know, the milk in you some cases. You just amaze me every time I talk to you. And going back to the whole uh the, the whole scraps the Lindsay Lindsay Jean hard book on uh -huh. cooking with scraps. She has a recipe in there for a lentil and whey soup. Oh, wow. So it's essentially like lentils and the liquid instead of stock is stock is is the whey or is you know much whey with the, the way. water to make this is the way. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, I, I like and it lends itself to so many glorious puns. So the thing is, is that's the glorious thing. So get your yogurt in the most basic way, plain yogurt, no flavoring, just basically cream, skim milk, bacterial cultures. Mm -hmm. um, the second of these three items is shrimp. So I'm a big shrimp lover. Uh, it's great. It's high in protein, low in calories, if that's important. Um, it's, it's very filling. It feels luxurious as well. Mm -hmm. I can use sort of as many as I need. I can yeah. use a lot for my jambalaya. I can use a little if I'm just making a paw boy. And, uh, but the secret is to buy it raw with mm -hmm. the shells on. Yeah. What you do is you take the shells off, you put the shells in some sort of a storage bag in your freezer, and then you make stock from those shells, That's which amazing. tastes amazing. And then you can either use the stock for a shrimp dish, or you can incorporate the stock for a number of like Asian yeah. soups and things. Right. I do a Thai, a Thai soup, and I use the shrimp stock for that. So mm. this, okay, is it a little bit more work to sometimes? Yeah, it's nice to have shrimp peeled and ready to go. You're just, you know, you're sort of, you're running late and you're just trying to get that um trying to get dinner on the table but for the little extra work 
you get the shrimp stock and there's no shrimp stock that you can buy that's going to be as glorious as that which you make yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, and it's so easy to do the shrimp stock. You basically take all the shells that you have, you add some water, you can add some other like chicken stock Mm -hmm. uh, and then a little bit of butter and you basically boil that. It smells heavenly and then you boil it down and uh, yeah, and it's, it's absolutely delicious. And then the third item isn't so much a basic item, but it is a, uh, the, the aged, che- aged cheeses like Parmesan, Reggiano, uh, Grana Padano. Mm-hmm. Um, these cheeses are, they last a long mm-hmm. time. Oh, yes. You don't have to be, I've never had an issue with mold on the cheese, which is more than I can say for the bricks of like Mozzarella, cheddar or mozzarella. Yeah which I'm always cutting off like a third, a quarter to a third of and them. I, and I have to freeze and then, half and freeze of it. Them. And, and then, and then you great freeze. Yeah. yeah. But then it's only, only, only mm. really good enough to work, to put in like mac and cheese or something that you're not going to yeah. have. I guess you're you not, you're not going to serve it. The thing yeah. is once the cheese is frozen, you basically have to kind of cook with it. You're not going to yeah. then sprinkle that on hors d'oeuvres on a cracker or, yeah. you know, crudette or whatever. You're basically limited. But yeah, you can take the cheese and shred it. That's important to you, like more surface area. It never really freezes, but it does preserve it. Yeah. The, 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 the well, the freezing process pre- does stave off the, the, the rot. Um, but the beauty of which that does not sound delicious. The beauty of the aged cheeses is that you can have your free, you wrap them up properly in your fridge and then they will be, they're your faithful servant for months to come. And then when you're finished with them, you take that glorious rind and you put it in homemade soup. And that is the secret again, umami. It's Mm -hmm. an umami world and I just live in it. Um, and that is the rare special spice in these homemade soups yeah. is a hunk of rind. And I actually have um, a recipe for if you are to gather up a number of rinds where you can actually make this uh, delicious kind of cheese ball where you use half of the rinds themselves. Oh, um, and then you use some, you can use blue cheese or another kind of cheese. So the point being is that when you get the real deal, where everything is in its most natural state as possible yeah. while still being edible with the yogurt, the shrimp and the aged cheese. You also get these quote unquote byproducts of, right. of these products right. that then can be turned into further deliciousness. So why buy yogurt with the whey removed when it is easy enough to make your own Greek yogurt and then you've got delicious whey and can bonus the environmental yeah you know, aspect is, uh, is eliminated the problem of the way and the waterways. Yeah. Waterways. So these are some of the tips and tricks that I've learned in my time in the kitchen. God, I love to cook. Man. I love to say that. And right back. Well, I'm really looking forward to our next podcast when you will be sharing equally as illuminating and delicious tips. I know that Mm. for sure, because I have been the lucky recipient of many of your dishes, of your meals and your concoctions. And uh, I just know that you will have some really good eaten. She hasn't seen any of my fails yet. (laughs) (laughs) But the fails fails are all, are all a part of that. I know it's all like to me, 
it's not a, so much a fail as a learning experience. Exactly, so, exactly. I mean, well, yeah. one of the dishes of yours, and this is just to whet the listener's appetite for next week, I'm hoping that you will talk about um, pig in a pumpkin. Oh, so yeah. So when I first met yeah. you, and this is a big deciding factor in becoming friends, I'm like, any woman who is like that creative with like loves to cook, loves good food, but loves to have fun with it as well too. And yet can bounce back from, I'll let you tell that story, but I did, <laughs> I did experience the pig in a pumpkin. Uh -huh. I mean, it was successful. That first that one, one was successful, that. That was uh, but successful. I learned something from it. I'll tell you next and time. That's for, for next week. Uh, the story of, of well just it, it more of a serving suggestion than a fail right yeah it still tasted good and that's what counts but, but that, i'll tell you later i'll tell you later. that that's that's for that's something to look forward to in the next podcast but the pig and a pumpkin which was a chef john recipe yes right? chef yes. john the youtube well-known chef the patron saint of food tv uh, as far as i'm he has some amazing dishes and uh he he was the one who came up with that and the pig like it's it's essentially like the pork but the pork is cooked within the pumpkin itself so you have the oh, glorious yeah. like let me tell it yeah it'll it'll all it'll all be good yeah it'll all be good okay so thank you for uh listening to our podcast and i can't wait till next time for part two of I, the dish on delish i'm i'm getting my appetite already there miss gail so uh all the best to you. Keep safe in these COVID times. Um, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.